Okay, welcome to a Virial USA podcast chat. This is uh, Alan. I'm I'm uh, sitting here. I now have a cat in my way. Um, let's move the cat. Um, <laughs> I'm sitting here with with uh, on my end. Siddharth is in a. Uh, is it yet snowing in in DC, or is it just threatening to? It is. It, it is. is. I was going to say, I feel like I'm in the presence of royalty being with the 5,000-mile fan. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't seen it, the La Liga um, had a feature on me that was originally filmed. It, it, actually, it was weird watching that now because, you know, they filmed it the first match of last season um, when, mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. we played Granada. Yeah, and it was like, well before anything, <laughs> um, we'd never heard of of uh, COVID nineteen. We had no, you know, had no idea about anything. And um, the still had, we still even had Javi Kaeha. Yeah, we still. I was wearing the Javi Kaeha shirt. Yeah, we had. We yes, had, I saw that. I yeah, saw that. we had. And, uh, and Toko Ikambi scored. That's right. And Toko Ikambi scored, and we had. Yeah, I mean, it was like a completely different world. Um, and it was great, you know, seeing the, the replay again and watching the the crowd cheering at the at the stadium. <laughs> I was like, oh wow, I haven't seen that. But yeah, it was it was an interesting thing. Um, I think they had originally hoped that we that um, the the Senna interview kind of got thrown in there because they sort of needed to complete the thing. And with and with COVID happening, there wasn't much else they could do. I think originally they were hoping that. You know, maybe Elisa and I would be taking a trip to Spain, and they could film us at, at the ground or something. But it didn't work out. But it was it was good. It was it was nice. We made sure we told um, all our friends about it, and uh, you know, several of them had a good time um, watching it. So it was good. But anyway, I'm sure. I'm sure, and I, I cannot compete with the number one fan in the U.S. Ah, uh, now, now, now. That, that was that was a little bit. Uh, I, I did make sure artistic to, license artistic that. license and I did make sure to tell them that uh, I was not the person who founded Vireal USA, which some people always ask about. And uh, no, you know, Maddie um, and uh, and you uh, were far more involved than I. Um, yeah, I was going to say predates me significantly as yeah, well. Yeah, so, yeah, so um, yeah, but but yeah, no, very very neat and. Um, I suppose we'll have to start calling you sir on the podcast now. So. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. That <laughs> that uh, that and uh, three fifty will buy me a Starbucks cup of coffee, right? <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so so I'm going to let you so, lead this time. Um, been sure, an interesting sure. week. Been an interesting, interesting week. Interesting week. Um, I will will have to rewind the tape if we could and uh, note that Zach said if we don't score two goals against Betty's, he would be concerned. So yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll start with that, Alan. And I suppose that also leads into topic number two of the injuries. Uh, and had not one, not two, but three players leave the match due to injury, including the sub of a sub, which is always worrisome when that happens. Right. Thankfully, we had five subs and not three. Right. Um, but then the long-term injury news with Ebora and yeah, uh, how that ties into the winter transfer window. 
So yeah. take your pick where you want to start. Well, the Betty's match was, um, I felt as though, I mean, it, until all the injuries happened, it seemed like we were, we were doing pretty well. And I think I would have to say that on balance, I would have figured we would have gotten a second goal in there somewhere. Um, but the injury, um, particularly Abora, um, that just really, really killed us. And I think the larger concern, of course, is not just the fact that we dropped um, another two points on a match that we thought we could have won, but what it means for the longer term as we look. Um, the difference between fourth place, sixth place, eighth place is likely to be fairly small. And having all these injuries as they pile up and, and losing a Bora for six months is really tough. I think, I think Emery had really figured out how to use him in a very effective way in, in, in our, um, four, three, three. And that's a big loss for us. Yeah. And, you know, I, I look at it and I contrast it as well. You know, I had part of the Hitafe Sevilla match on, Mm. Um, anybody who watched the full match probably wants 90 minutes of their life back. Um, <laughs> but you know, and, and, and we've talked about it, I feel like so many times and, and I have a grudging respect for Sevilla on this front. Yep. They, yep. they just find ways, yep. you know, and, and, and they, they played okay. I mean, they had control over the game. Hatafe really is, you know, Hatafe is going to be fighting to avoid relegation at this point. I'm just looking. They're actually in 16th right now. Mm-hmm. And they've only scored nine goals in 12 matches. Um, right. So I think they look, they look very poor. They look, they look. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing is, you know, Sevilla won this match on. And, and Alan, if you haven't seen it, it is one of the most atrocious own goals I have ever seen. I, I did see it. It was it was a it was nicely placed. If you if you were yeah. an attacker, yeah. No, it, it's, <laughs> but it's yeah, one of those it was that you scratch your head and wonder if this were late in the season, um, which uh, which university his children are going to be going to? Right. Um, <laughs> how 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 big is that suitcase with the ham in it? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So, but, but you know, just <laughs> yeah. find a way to win. Get the three yeah. points. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't have to be pretty, but those are the games. Again, you look back on, and we've already had a whole list of these to start yeah. the year against yeah. Cadiz, against Wesca, and and again for all of the the beauty of looking at the the standings and seeing you've only lost once. Well, you know, I'd rather have lost three times, but have had a couple more wins in there. So, yeah. So yeah. It, it, it's unfortunately seeming like somewhat of a trend that certainly uh, stretches beyond Emory um, for for a number of seasons now. Just sort of when we play well, we win. When we don't play well, we can't seem to win. You know, I think I think it's. <laughs> I've always felt that our style of play is a little bit too, um, how do I want to say? 
I think we have a hard time locking down other teams when we're ahead, although we've gotten better at that over the years. I just don't see, historically, Virial plays beautiful football, but it's not always... I don't always know that we have the mentality to play, God damn it, just get the ball in the net and let's take three points home sort of sort of football. And I think that's something that is just it's maybe a little bit inherent in who we are. I don't I don't know. But yeah, you do you do tend to see that. Now I, I do I do think that Emery has done a lot of good things so far and some of the matches that we've drawn we would have lost um, a year ago, certainly two years ago. Um, the tricky bit is that right now, whatever master plans he has are pretty much being washed out by the fact we've got so many starters that are out of the lineup, and we've even got the second choices out of the lineup in some cases. So I think the next month or so is going to be critical because he's going to have to figure out how to manage with the roster we've got um, through to Indeed. at least a little... Indeed, Costa starting against Osasuna, for example. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to have to figure out how to get how to get the most out of the players you can actually count on right now. Um, we we just have... We really have two... Um, stri- you know, we have two strikers on the be- uh, who are injured, Baca and, and Paco. We've got Gerard, who really we prefer to use on the right rather than the middle, I think. Um, but, and, and so we were sort of dithering with that and playing with that, but then the injury to Ebora really throws us um, for a loop because that middle three had been pretty, had been looking pretty good. And Ebora had definitely been the, been the sort of ball control strong guy and, and good in the air. And we don't really have anybody like that. We have Coquelin who came in and, and uh, immediately got injured. Um, you know, he's, he's, he makes Chechu Dorado look like a poster child for Mr. Fitness. So, <laughs> you know, I just don't know yeah, and, 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 um, where we go. You know, you might have thought that this would change with a new physio. And, and, and also, in fairness... Given this season, lack of preseason, mm-hmm. late last season, this is happening more and more. Yep. Um, and and the the New York Times columnist Rory um, Rory Smith, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, has a has a wonderful sort of weekly column and was talking about how how much uh, muscle injuries have spiked. Yep. Um, we we won't won't mention Ravi Sounders this week, but. One of these days, we'll have to get him back on as well uh, to talk about that. Talk about that. That's yeah. a huge trend in Europe. Yes. Um, yes. But the amount of muscular injuries we have is mm-hmm. just continues to be extremely frustrating. It um, does. It does. Um, and and you know, so this, this it always just seems like are, are, are we pushing our players hard enough uh, in training or otherwise that this seems to keep happening because it's five or six guys who seem to be out right now, all with 
similar types of injuries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Alberto Moreno and Ibora have knee injuries. Everybody else, I think, it's it's basically muscle pulls. And, and in the case of people like Estepinon and Baca and um, Paco, they're it's not the first time <laughs> at the rodeo mm -hmm. for for this. They've mm -hmm. they've been. Um, I think Paco was especially frustrating because he had just he had been given the green light to come back. It just you know brought him on for the second half of a of a match, and then he has to go out again. And it's it's yeah. Well, I don't know. Stupignan was somewhat similar, but mm -hmm. it was that he got hurt on the international break, so right. He didn't sort of miss as much time during the year, but, but he was hurt. He was hurt during that. Out. Yeah, it, it it is a question that I think you have to have to ask: is are we? And this has been a question that we've been asking for years: is is there something that we should be doing differently um, uh, physiologically? I I don't. You know, I'm obviously not qualified to say anything about that, but it is. It's concerning. It's not surprising that we've got a lot of muscle injuries due to the short um, break and due to the fact that finishing up last season was so difficult. Um, but it is concerning for us in particular that we've got so many of them. So, you know, it's really bad news. Um, I think the question for the club and for the front office is, do you want to try to bring in somebody else probably on loan because I don't think we have a lot of spare cash sitting around. Um, there are people on our blog who would love to see Santi Caceres come back. I'm not sure I quite think that's going to happen. Um, your other possibility, which we saw... You in would have to find a way to uh, free up a extra community spot. Right, I but believe it's Baca, Funes Moré, and Take, who currently have the three. So right, so if you somehow Take to were to be recalled or need yep. to move somewhere, that would make Caceres a possibility. It would. I'm just not sure. I think for I mean, from Emery's point of view, he's never seen him play, as far as I know. So mm -hmm. I don't know that he has a strong mm -hmm. opinion about him. Um, the other possibility would be to take one of those um, center backs and put them in a defensive midfield role, much as um, what happened today with, with Foyth. Um, that's mm -hmm. where he played. And that's, you know, and we've seen that before with, um, with other Virial teams and coaches. And it can sometimes work for a little while. It's it's hard because because whoever that person is is clearly a bit of a fish out of water. They're not so they may they may do a good job at ball recovery, for example, but they're not going to be looking to make an insightful pass to create a, a scoring opportunity. Or they may be good in the air, but they're not really comfortable tackling out in midfield or something like that. It's, it is a it, it is something that we. Um, that we've tried before with, and, you know, with, with, as I say, temporary success, I'm not sure I feel like we can do that for the next, you know, for the remainder of the season. Yeah, might, might have to, or I might have to think about it. It's funny to hear you say center backs and us actually 
knock on wood, have four healthy, mm-hmm. functioning, and, and frankly, five, if you're counting Chakwa, mm-hmm. who also played today, mm-hmm. uh, in, <laughs> of, of all the positions where we actually have depth, um, that is always the one where we have the least. Correct. So, right. Um, well, as I, I say, that is a nice thing. It is. As I say, I think the thing that's frustrating is that we, yeah, we have we have that. We thought going into the season that the last thing we were going to have to worry about was scoring goals because look at all of our of our exciting attacking midfielders and our strikers. Well, two of the three strikers are down. I have to say that the exciting attacking midfielders, Moy, is down. Um, Kubo has been, I'm, I think, showing his youth more than anything else. And um, Samu has pretty much plateaued or regressed, depending on how you look at it. So it, it's bizarre to me that the thing we were most worried about at the start of the season seems to be doing okay. And the thing that we're that we were confident we could, you know, well, if we have to, we'll just outscore teams four to two. Well, we're not doing that. So essentially 2020 in a nutshell. Yeah, 2020 in a nutshell. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, you want you want to take a brief break and then we can talk about the other good news of the week, <laughs> our Europa League draw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so we'll take a brief break and we'll be right back. Okay, so... <laughs> More good news, right? Well, and and first we can perhaps run that that there are some stories in the Spanish media, and we don't like to get into a great deal of hyperbole and speculation on this podcast. But there are some stories out there related to Senor Roig and related to the club um, mm-hmm. with respect to unpaid bills, unpaid that, um, and allegations of potential prison time and otherwise. Again, I think sort of the club has put out a statement saying there's no, there's no fire, there's no smoke here. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, I don't know that we know any better one way or the other, but we do certainly know that the Comunitat Valenciana is not known for its reputation as a highly ethical uh, governing body. Well, uh, yeah, I think the I think it's interesting that the <laughs> first of all the 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 arc of Spanish justice um, seems to move at a fairly slow tempo across yes. the sky yes. because we're, it takes a siesta every yeah, now and again yeah we're talking about so, so for those people who don't know what we're talking about the back in 2004 when Virial qualified for the champions league for the first time um the stadium um, the the club undertook some fairly significant changes to the then El Madrigal to bring it into line with what um, UEFA required for grounds that were going to host Champions League matches. And so there was a lot of, I don't remember all of it, maybe maybe you do, but 
Um, I, if I'm thinking right, and I hadn't linked it, you've done that for me. Is I think we're talking about noose and udangarin, if I'm not mistaken. Well, he was involved with trying to figure out a way to. He was involved with naming rights. I think he okay. he collected a bunch of money for for trying to advise the team on how they could get naming rights for the stadium back then. I believe. This okay. was where, but this, yeah, and he he's he was the king's son-in-law or correct. something. Correct. Yeah, nature? correct. Okay. He's he's okay. He's yeah, married now to, you're you're testing the edge of yeah um, yeah. He's married there, to the Infanta. Uh, the, the end of it. Yeah, so. he was married to the Infanta Cristina. I think that, I can't remember. That's right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Right. So okay. So in two thousand four, two thousand five, who knew there'd be a who knew there'd be a history lesson? I know a history now. quiz. So there, so 2004-2005, Villarreal qualifies for the um, Champions League. They've got to do all this stadium work. I think they, I think they pretty much rebuilt one of the stands. I don't remember what else they did. I think they pr- think that was probably when they moved the um, changing rooms because um, it used to be at the at sort of the end of the ground. And I think they did a whole bunch of redevelopment then. Anyway, that's not important what exactly they did. But the, but the question is, so the club was, was um, billed so many million euros, which included so much in value-added tax, which they paid. And the assertion seems to be that somewhere along the line the, that the, what was paid in value-added tax by the club didn't find its way to the Spanish treasury or something. I... I must confess, I'm a little unclear on how it works. If you're, um, since we don't have value-added tax in the states, I don't exactly know. But I gather that as a business, you can, um, if you collect it, you can also find way. You're also paying it on the other side for for supplies and things. And so maybe it's to do with the netting of one versus the other, but. Somehow or another, that's what's being investigated um, 15 years after the fact. And the, um, the um, club has put out, uh, put out a statement basically saying, all we know is that we paid what we were told to pay, and it included this much in value-added tax, and that's basically all we can say. I'm not quite sure how Senior Raj um, fits into this, um, and I think at this point, you know, given how far away we are and how little knowledge we have of the of the Spanish legal system, much less anything else. Let's just sit and wait for other news. Um, but that wasn't very good to wake up to Monday morning, I must say. Um, Monday we had, it was like the trifecta. We had the news that this thing was, it was hitting the, the press in Spain. Then we had the news that Ebora's knee injury, which didn't look that bad at the time, was in fact going to keep him out for six months. And then we had the Europa League draw. Yeah, and, and, and on that, it's one of those that I, I was a little bit worried when I happened because it was one of those eh, not exactly sure where the contact was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And those non-contact injuries always seem to be the ones that, that get you. If yeah. I'm not mistaken now that I think of it, I think we've had a number of serious injuries happen when we've played at Betis. I'd have to go back and sort of think through 
but but I recall a few in the past that have happened there. So mm, there may okay. be there may be something uh, to that as well. Um, okay. But yeah, yeah then, then Red yeah. Bull Salzburg. So again, saying all right, you're going to finish first in your group this time. Um, yeah, we should. And in fact, the drop down teams I think could have been a lot worse in some sense. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we we're concerned about Atletico dropping down. There was even a chance Real Madrid might drop down. Um, and then, of course, you know, and Atletico is the one who beat Salzburg um, and therefore knocked Salzburg down. Right. And, of course, we have history with them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Most recently, more positive in the knockout stages. Um, But I certainly remember them in the group stages when they were sort of just becoming known on the European stage. And if I'm not mistaken, they beat us twice in the group stage that year. I think that's right. And had a a number of very impressive players. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it it was not... And and have Jesse March as their coach, formerly a longtime MLS player and coach. Coach, correct. Yeah, I think it it wasn't a good draw for us. I mean, I think we were, if you look at the teams that dropped down, they were the uh, probably the top of the ones that were unseated. Um, you know, it just wasn't much luck. I mean, I think we, I think we, there were certainly plenty of other teams out there that we could, that we could have hoped to have drawn. Um, that said, I think if by February so we've pretty, got pretty typical at this round of thirty-two stage, where I think we've drawn we've drawn teams like Napoli. Um, we haven't had much luck. We walk, drew yeah. Lyon once, yeah, and it's certainly you know Champions League draws of drawing Monaco in the playoff and. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the group of death the last time we made the group stage in the Champions League. <laughs> so, right. Right. Yes. Yeah, we we haven't had not, much we haven't had much luck well in a long enjoyed. time, I have to say. Yeah. I I I think the um I think probably the the uh it's been I was trying to think the last time we had any sort of luck at all was probably when we drew in the 2016 when we got to the semifinal and had to play, what was it, Sparta-Prague in the quarterfinal. That was a pretty good draw for us. I mean, you know, we could have drawn somebody else then. But, you know, on the one hand, of course, you want to say, well, if you're going to win, you've got to beat these teams. But it's 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 a tough draw, and and I think it'll be interesting to see how we – let's see where we are in February in terms of our roster and, and health. Um one thing that's interesting is that the Austrian league pretty much takes a long winter break for obvious reasons. So on the one hand, that means that their players are going to be a lot more rested than ours. On the other hand, they will be a lot less match fit in terms of um, they won't have played many matches right before they face mm-hmm. us. So, And do we know, is it as long? Because I know, for example, the Bundesliga has shortened their winter break this year. I think it is still pretty long, but let me look and see while we are talking about that. Because... Mm-hmm. And and again, you know, for, for people who sort of follow young talents, I'm sure there are names on the Salzburg team, but I think for the more... 
wouldn't say casual fan, um, but you know, someone who's not up on sort of the best 23 or 25 and under players aren't really names that jump out at you, but then you remember they've produced Minamoto and Holland and, Mm -hmm. you know, all Mm -hmm. sorts of names. And of course, remember that because of the Red Bull setup, um, mostly hate it, but I was going to say hate it or love it as you may, um, you know, this is, as, as Javi Mata would say, football moderno, um, right. which everybody rails against. Yep. Um, yep. But a lot of the players you see end up being the players who are on Red Bull Leipzig, yep. um, who have turned into a consistent, you know, Champions League team in the Bundesliga mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. essentially not existing <laughs> not very long ago. So, right. So looking at Salzburg, and the Bundesliga has, has you know moved up firmly, and now has you know the four Champions League places just like Spain does. So right, right. That, that's an impressive feat to be consistently qualifying for the Champions League in that league. Yeah. So so the deal with Salt with the yes they do have a long winter break still. It is Salzburg has one match remaining on December twentieth. They're then off until January 22nd. So they will actually play, counting their cup match, they will actually have played... Uh, they'll play. They'll have played six matches after they've returned in January mm-hmm. before so they face be, us. So it's some, some fitness. Some fitness, but it's, yeah. but it's a little different than what, than what we are... Are facing probably because uh, because we have a I mean we really don't have a Christmas break we have a um, we have a match against Osasuna on Saturday we have a match against Athletic Club and then a week later we have a match against Sevilla um, so we really don't have a, a winter break to speak of so yeah yeah, yeah. so you know. Um, yeah, and you look at you look at the the Salzburg roster, and again, I mean, you have to, you know, as happen, you always have to temper it with you know who they're playing in the league and everything. But they've got a lot of most all of their, um, pretty in fact, pretty much all their midfield and attacking talent is the oldest guy is like apart from one fellow um, is twenty three. I mean, it, it's a it's a young team. Um, you've got. I think one, their average age is twenty three. Yeah, you got according one according to transfer market. You got mm-hmm. one guy who's a thirty three year old midfielder, Yunusovic, uh, I guess is his name. He's a Serbian. Um, and other than that, yeah, I mean, you're looking at guys that are that are they've got a little bit of age in defense, um, a little bit more, but in terms of their front um, midfield and attack it's all young 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 so and it's they've got several um, got a couple of African players up front and uh, also in midfield you know so it's it's it's, it's definitely a young um, I'm sure it'll be a young aggressive fast team um, mm-hmm. would be my mm-hmm. guess and, and interesting I had not seen the full draw on the Spanish sides 
obviously the other two Spanish sides finished second in their groups, but yikes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man United and Napoli. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it is not impossible if we don't if we're not ready that uh, all three Spanish all three sides could, could be go knocked like out that. at this stage. Yeah, and I think I think the thing about it's it's always the round of thirty two is always interesting because you remember that when we um, I guess it was twenty ten eleven when we played Napoli I. I I think Napoli were actually the better side, but they didn't really take that first first leg that seriously. It was it was it's always a I think probably it's less of a conflict now because because the Europa League has a little more prestige than it did then, but and money. But um, but it's interesting in the round of thirty two how sometimes you'll play a team that has a big name and you think well they're gonna it's going to be tough, but then they end up not taking it as seriously because of domestic competitions or whatnot. I think that's changing, but definitely one problem with Red Bull is that they are not going to, you know, this is their big, this is their big um, stage. So they're going to put out a really strong team. I'm sure they have no reason not to. Yep, and and obviously, you know, I think they would look at we're going to win our league again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, have a I decent think... shot of getting back into the Champions League. The important thing for them is not to get drawn in a group with Bayern and Atletico. Yeah, yeah. Keep moving that coefficient up, and a deep run in the Europa League would help a lot. Very well yeah. for them. Yeah, um, yeah, because then then to get them into a seated pot, a seated. Yeah, because if you if you can move if you can keep doing well in Europe, you know, in the Europa League, then that coefficient goes up. So when you get drawn, you're going to be in a higher pot. You're, you're not going to. What you want is to be one of the, like Villarreal was in the um, in their Europa League group. You want to be the number one or two seed in your group, because mm-hmm. when you're number three, you're always you know yeah you may. You may do it. The coefficients tend to lag performance to some degree. If you have a club that's suddenly gotten good, like Monaco, to, you know, when when uh, which is how we drew them, which is yep. how we drew yep. them, right? But um, and even for a team like La Real, their coefficient is lagging and is definitely going to pick up over the next couple of years. Yeah, to sort exactly. Of and more so, accurately reflect. Where yeah, and I so think Napoli, if I'm not mistaken, the year we played them in the Champions League, mm. they were the pot four team. We were the pot three team. Pot three team. That's right. Memory serves. I think you're right. Yep. Um, yeah. So I mean, you wanted you wanted. Yeah, and at that time, Man City, I think, was still the pot two team. So I think we got <laughs> we got stuck with two teams that were were a lot better than their yeah where they actually were yeah. yeah. I, and I think that's the thing that, that can yeah. happen. I was going to say so. on Austria, the, the good thing for them as well is Wolfsberger has also made the last 32. Mm-hmm. So the league coefficient is going to be helped a little bit by that. By that. Because um, mm-hmm. they just haven't haven't had another team that has uh, right. been able to, to get to any stage. So. Yeah, I think the... I mean, we've played what we played Rapid Vienna before, and we've played um, the other Vienna side, whose name escapes me at the moment. Um, but 
Yeah, it it, it I think has. We played Sturm Graz as well at one point. Way yeah. Back when. Yeah. So it it is something where the more depth you can put together in your league, the better it helps everybody. And you see that with the Spanish sides that. You know, Spanish teams have always been very successful in, you know, first the UEFA Cup and then the Europa League, and that that helps all of the Spanish teams that get drawn in there. Their coefficients improve, um, and it and it they tend to do pretty well. I mean, it's it's fairly it's pretty rare for a Spanish side not to come out of the group stage, and certainly. Villarreal has never failed to come out of the group stage when it's been in the Europa League, but it's going to be it's going to be a tough a tough draw. It's a, it, it, several people made the point that the Europa League this year was actually has what was it five um, league champions or league leaders where where the um, Champions League had none when it came to this to this draw. So um, yeah, it's 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 going to be hard. I'd feel much more comfortable about it, to be honest. If we had um, our full complement of players, I wouldn't. I would favor us um, in it, so I wouldn't worry too much. But the fact that we've got all these injuries is is a problem. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, two plus months is a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Speaking mm-hmm. of sort of final thoughts on squad and otherwise looking at injuries. What would you, what would you prioritize uh, if you had a shopping list? Knowing we certainly spent a sizable amount of money over the summer. Yeah. You know, I'm. I think part of it is I think I don't really know whether a player like Foyth, for example, could play in the center midfield for. For the remainder of the season, I mean, I, I have no knowledge about that. I kind of don't think it would be ideal, but I think what this has shown is that no matter how deep your roster is, there are always going to be a couple of players where you, yeah, you lose them and it's really big. I think um, Moy has really, losing him has really hurt us. Um, I hope we have him back before too long. I think, you know, I honestly am, since I don't know who's available in January, the people who you might like to get, I mean, just thinking of names that people like to toss around because they have before, are not going to be available. You know, Itura might be available. Well, Itura, yeah, I wasn't really thinking of him. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking of somebody like Zombo. Well, Zombo is not going to be available on a loan because Fulham are trying to stay up in the Primera, in the Premier League. Um, Eric Pulgar is somebody that's been mentioned a lot by a few commentators on our site, and he's playing for Fiorentina, and they're trying to stay up in the Italian league. So, you know, some of these things you can just rule out right away is not happening. Um, so I think it really depends to some degree on who is available. Um, there's also the wild card we haven't talked about, but the, the continued, um, Kubo, Madrid, unhappiness or not situation. Um, I could see a scenario where we basically canceled his loan in January at Madrid's request that freed, would free up some money plus a communitario spot 
and we brought in somebody, Cosserus or somebody else as a result. I mean, Cosserus we already own, so that would be that would be the logical choice. I feel like it's a question. Question on that for you, though. I, I, I feel I feel like the need for that sort of destroyer has been a little bit less acute in the system we're playing. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's exactly sort of how we've been set up or whatever it is, but, you know, we have not played with a Doble Pivot much, if at all, this Mm -hmm. season. And I, I don't feel like we've been missing anything per se. Like, I don't feel like there was a game saying, oh, geez, you know, we're just not able to sort of, you know, the Barcelona match, yes. But that wasn't really going through the middle. That was getting cut up on the wings. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been a match I felt like, oh, man, you know, what we need is somebody to just sit in and sort of get more control of the game. Mm-hmm. I feel like our midfield three has been a lot more kind of nimble in some ways. Um than we've been used to seeing. And I was just, you know, in thinking about that, I was thinking, you know, could somebody like a, like a Trigueros be the one who plays in the middle of the middle three? And will we really lose anything from having him there as opposed to somebody sort of with a more defensive mindset? Well, here's the thing, though. I think that, I think what Ibora did, um, is he, you're right, we didn't play with the double pivot, but we did play with him in the middle, and essentially he was almost like a single pivot at times. I mean, the, he was very good at winning the ball in the air at, at, at aerial challenges. He was also good at sort of doing the, the thing that we associated with Rodri, I think maybe, I think Bruno was, was better at distributing the ball in an attacking way. Ibora um, better at maybe winning the ball and sort of distributing it out quickly to somebody else who could then make the incisive pass. So for me, I think the thing I would miss the most is that height in the middle. I feel like we feel like we if if we had Trigueros there, we'd miss that. And there has to be a certain amount of physicality um, that I don't think. I think Trigueros has enough to be on the wing. I'm not sure, but he has enough to be in the middle. Um, so I, you know, I, I honestly so that lends credence then to your center back theory. Yeah, sure. I, I honestly wonder about somebody like uh, like Funes Mori or um, or Foyth. I guess Funes Mori is taller of the two, isn't he? I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of wonder. I kind of wonder about trying to use him out there. I don't. I mean, the worrisome part, of course, is that Funes Mori is. Uh, his decision making is sometimes questionable, and he tends to be a rash tackler. He is a rash. What you're ta- trying to say gently. Well, I'm. I'm trying to say he's a rash tackler, but also he's. He doesn't always. He doesn't always use his good use good judgment when it comes to making a play, and so I don't know. Putting him is, is putting him out in midfield, inviting some sort of disaster to occur that you don't know. 
Foyth might be a better player there. I think he, I think he'd be a safer choice. He's probably um, you know not as tall, so he's not going to give you. I don't think he's any taller than Caceres, so he's not going to give you a whole lot there. Um, I think the thing that militates against Santi, to be quite honest, is I think it's a lot to ask of him when you are bringing somebody back who's been away from the club for for as long as he has, and then to say, hey, we need you to fill into this really new manager, new manager who doesn't know you at all. We need we need you to fill into this extremely important role, and basically the success of the club in the next few months is going to be kind of dependent on how well you do this job. That's a lot to ask of somebody. Foyth, at least, Emery knows. He, he's, he's somebody that Emery wanted, and I think he could probably um, do a little better job of mentally preparing him for it. I just don't... I just don't, I think it's a lot to ask of Santi. I mean, I like Santi Caceres. I always have. I felt he got kind of a raw deal when he was here before. Um, but I'm not sure that, <laughs> I'm not sure that I think bringing him back into the center is the way to deal with it. Yeah, I, I don't know that that's the right fit. The one thing I was going to say in that vein, though, is you you are right that I think Ibora is has become, and, and frankly, I think from the day he hit the ground, he's been an important piece both on the field and also for leadership qualities, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which I think we will miss for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one because I think we... I think we we've all said that the the um, we've been happy with a lot of things. We've been happy with with the way that that Emory has approached a lot of things, but still, it's a very tough league this year, and it's very tough uh, anyway. But I think the whole COVID thing is still um, it's still hard, you know, playing without crowds and having to do all the all the um, preparations and, and stuff that you have to do. And having all these injuries is really making it, is really throwing a wrench in our plans. I mean, I think if we had come, if we had come out, if we had, if we had been able to play our regular group against Bethes for 90 minutes, I think we would have won. I think we'd have, have a much different podcast that we're having. That's how, that's how important those injuries were. Yep. I was going to say, though, I think the one thing to consider for the winter as well is in terms of your spend, you know, do you spend a significant amount of money, whether you have it or not, on a position where you have a high wage earner, high transfer fee player who you know is coming back? Mm hmm. And that, I think, is a problem for us at center midfield to say, okay. Are we going to splash a bunch of money on the guy who is the backup? No, I, I we're healthy, and I mean, mm-hmm. there's no question there. Um, no, I think I and think similarly up front, you have the same issue. Um, you know, do you bring in a guy who is third choice when your players are healthy again, um, and then you still have Baca on a big pay packet? So yeah. you know, he's not going anywhere. I think for, for I think for the strikers you you have what you have. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, I think for the midfield 
Yeah, it's a good point. As I don't, I think if you try to bring in anybody, you're going to try to find somebody who's, you know, got that who you can bring in for for a six month loan or five month loan or whatever it is. I just don't see going out and trying to sign somebody with a significant spend for because, as you say, you've got you've got Ebora, and we've got a lot of players overall. Now, if it were somebody that you said, okay, well, I'm going to bring this person in in January 2021 on the assumption that I'm going to have a Bora back in the fall of 2021, but I'm going to also lose, say, Samu, and that, and somehow this is all going to, these puzzle pieces are all going to fit with that happening, that might be different. But I, historically, Virial in January, when we've had a need to fill some uh, an injury position like this, uh, you know, we're not... We typically don't have a lot of money sitting around to spend in January, and I'm not expecting we do this time. So, Martinuccio, he might be available. Oh, you know, we could we could fill a whole podcast probably. With he some would, I was signings. so I was so excited when he signed for us. I was so excited. Cicino, you never know. He might still be around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think he. I think he's. I think he's retired and gone through rehab. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're. But you know, you know the the one thing I would say about the strikers, though, and I think we talked about it through the summer, is Fernando is still not in a great place mm-hmm. for what he's doing, um, and. Also, there was a Raba sighting today. There um, was a Raba sighting in, in today. Copa del, Copa del Rey. Yeah, so he's still he's still there. He's still um, there. Mm-hmm. But but, Fernando, I and, and I don't think it's making sense. I don't think he's ready to be the target man on a team with Champions League aspirations. Uh, but I also don't think he's the fourth striker on a Primera team. Mm. So I, I think he's he's in a place right now that he's he's not getting enough minutes. And when he's getting the minutes, I think the expectation is a little bit high yeah. for what he's able to do at this point in his career. So for my my money, I would still love to see him go on loan. Um, even if it's a six-month loan, mm. and even if it's to a team in the Segunda. So in my view, I'm not looking at him as, you know, we're really going to be relying on him the second half of the season. And then if you don't feel like your other two strikers are both healthy, I think you have a need to go into the market for somebody. And again, it's a need to be a huge spend. Um but I think it's somebody you could count on to, you know, play in 60, 70% of the games, mm. um, you know, decent number of those off the bench. But right now we don't, we don't have an attacking option off the bench up front. Yeah. I, I'm, I hear you. I'm not sure. I totally agree. I think on the one hand, um, 
I just think in terms of our, that might have been something we would have done in January if we didn't have the Abora situation. But I think now that we have the Abora situation, I, I don't see, to me, that's the thing that has to be addressed via a loan or something in January. Um, Fair Nino, yeah, you're probably right that, I mean, he does get a lot of benefit from practicing with the team on an everyday basis, even if he's not getting out there and playing every day. Um, I think we probably figure we can juggle enough options up front with Samu and, and if Moy when he's healthy and Gerard and Baca when he's back, I, I, and, and Paco, I just don't see unless we thought that two of, of those three guys I mentioned who are currently out are not going to be available for a long time, I would not want to spend money on a striker. I mean, again, if the right person is available at the right price or at a, at a nice loan, sure, great, but I don't see it happening. I think we're more likely to go for a, for a loanee for the for somebody who can win the ball and is tall in central midfield. That's kind of what I think. And, you know, fair, he'll get, he'll get minutes in the Copa. He'll get, he'll get some, I, I'm higher on him at, than you are. I mean, I feel like he's, I, I guess I remember Jose Lu playing <laughs> as a lone striker against Man City in the, in the Champions League. So, you know, he's mm -hmm. a lot better than that. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and, and and I'm not saying it's about his ability. Um, yeah, I understand. But this is one of those yeah. Yeah. I would have liked to see what happened with Miguel Ohm last year. Yeah, yeah, not what happened with Miguel Ohm this year that I don't like. Yeah, yeah. Um, as as all should know, but you know, I think going into Segunda, having expectations placed on you to come up, um, that sort of situation made more, more sense to me than what we're doing with him now. Yeah. The playing time has just been irregular. Yeah. And it went yeah. from, okay, you're the fourth option to now you're the second option. And now, you know, our record signing, you're supposed to be coming in and taking his position. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Just seemed, seemed a little, uh, a, a leap a bit far. Um, yeah. Given how many games he has under his belt. Yeah, I hear that. So, yeah. Any, any last thoughts on on what lies ahead? Again, this is sort of the softer part of the schedule. Um, yeah. But we seem to draw all the very good teams, and we also draw the mediocre teams. So that uh, that hasn't made a difference for us to date. No, I think the thing that's I don't know. I I feel as though the the um, the thing that's been difficult is the is the um, extreme number of injuries, and I think it's really it's really hard when you're looking at a coach who's new. Um, you've had a short off season trying to develop your your concepts that you want to play, and then having all these injuries, it's it's tough. Um, I mean Osasuna on. Saturday. I mean, I have to be realistic and say if we can come away with a 1-1 draw, that, that's probably okay. I mean, I think we have to... I, uh, I guess the good news is is that 
the league is pretty even this year, and and so Real Sociedad, who looked like they were going to run away with things or at least do very well a month and a half ago, have been going through the same problems we have. I mean, they haven't won in quite a while either, right? So I think I think we just have to get through this, and uh, I I feel much more comfortable with Emery in charge than I would with most other coaches we've had recently. But that's all I can say. I think the injuries really make it have have set us back and thrown us for a loop. And if we end up qualifying for Europa League instead of champions because of all these one one draws at the end you know, by the end of the season, so be it. I mean I'd I'd hope to think we could get something going to get some to get multiple goal games again though. Yeah, I think by the flip side of what you're saying, the frustrating thing is seeing that the rest of the league isn't that good. Yeah. You know, I think I think we'd say, okay, Real Madrid, Atletico, and to me Sevilla, okay, those teams are gonna be ahead of you. But I mean, on this evidence, this Barcelona team being better than us, you know, it kind of depends on which they one. They looked which... it against us, but uh, pretty much against anybody else, they don't. They don't look that. Um, and yeah, I think so. You're so seated. I mean, yeah. they've been drawing all the same mediocre teams that we have. Right. Um, right. So it just. Yeah, find a compelling reason why these other teams are doing better. I mean, Barcelona have <laughs> have done exactly what you and I had figured would happen under Kuman, yeah, um, yeah. which is implode. Um, yeah, I guess they had a good first so, half today, so, but that's about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it is frustrating mm-hmm. that you look at it and you think um, that if we you know, four points convert two of those draws to wins. Um, <laughs> you know, you'd, you'd certainly look look at where you'd be. Um, so yeah, I think it's it is interesting the the margin for for error or the margin for you know playing through these things. On the one hand, is pretty small. On the other hand, it doesn't seem like many other clubs out there are doing a lot better than we are. Um, I think it's, I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those glass half empty, glass half full things. And as you say, it's kind of the way 2020 has been all over. But um, it's, I have some confidence that our roster overall is quite good. I really like Emery. I always have. And he tends to be really good at getting the most out of a roster sometimes when he's got to adjust for injuries and things. So let's, you know, let's just hope that's what happens. And on that note, for <laughs> Alan, this is Sid and the Van Varian. And the Van Varian.